We get mostly good reviews for the podcast. Every review but one in the iTunes store is a five, and the other one's a four. I'm not sure what else user 445231 wanted us to do for that extra star, but it's fine. I can live with it. But it's not all gumdrops and candy canes. We do get some more critical emails from people. Critical is maybe the wrong word. They just push us a bit. We've gotten a couple in the past similar to one I got last week that's progressively taken up more and more space in my brain. The email said, and I quote, Everything you say makes sense, but actually doing any of the stuff you say is unrealistic. I can't just run 25 customer interviews a week for the next two months. I have a job. How do I actually decide what idea to start? You have way less fluff than every other startup podcast, but there's still too much fluff. Well, Braves fan plus a bunch of numbers at hotmail.com, you've got a point. Not about you not being able to do 25 interviews a week. You can if you prioritize it, and you can certainly start with five per week and build up. But you've got a point that a lot of what we do is in hindsight, meaning we talk about companies we've worked with in the past at Tacklebox and with companies that are public, and we can break down their strategies, or we talk about like Shit's Creek. Looking at things after they've happened is always going to have inherent survivorship bias. And we're not going to talk about the boring examples, the ones that quietly didn't work. Those would be boring. But that's how most startups end, with a whimper before they ever really got going. The point from Braves fan bunch of numbers, I believe, is for us to be more authentic, to tell more real stories about what it's like to test out a startup idea. So, in the words of George Costanza, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Over the next few episodes, we're going to start a startup on the podcast. We'll see how it goes. I haven't recorded any of it yet because I want to do it in real time. And if we end up beating our head against the wall for a few weeks and then going out with a whimper, it'll be real. That happens. And we can talk you through navigating it. I don't even know what idea we're going to pursue yet. That's what today's episode is for. I've got three potential ideas and I've got a framework to use at Tacklebox to evaluate other people's ideas. We'll see how the three fare, then we'll pick one and test it out over the next bunch of episodes. This means we'll have to make ads and a landing page and write cold emails and do customer interviews and all that good stuff. We'll post a lot of it to our Instagram and Twitter if that sort of thing interests you. Our handle is GetTackleBox on both. And if the idea we choose is one you want to help us with, we're definitely going to need it. So give us a shout at team at GetTackleBox.com. Let's get going. No cute opening story for today. No dramatic pauses. All business. This is the podcast version of the I'm late for business guy on rollerblades meme. If you don't get that reference, you'll be fine. It's not going to come up again. Now let's see how this goes. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, head to gettacklebox.com and we'll help you start it right. Our 26th cohort just started, but we're accepting applications to the all-virtual cohort 27 beginning March 31st. We got a bunch of new subscribers the past few weeks, and to you all, welcome. We're a podcast that goes deep on how startups should start. We exist because the biggest problems entrepreneurs face down the road, things like expensive customer acquisition, products customers don't love, and an inability to raise funding, all stem from the root directional decisions entrepreneurs make in the earliest days. We talk about how to make those decisions properly and how to stress test an idea before you go all in on it so that when you do, it's got the best chance at success. And over the next few episodes, as you heard, we're gonna do it in real time with our own startup idea. 
So you either came at a great time or a terrible time. I guess we'll see which. And if anyone likes the idea resume framework we use today, head to gettacklebox.com forward slash idea resume, all one word, and you can take a look at it. Enough stalling. Let's get to it. Entrepreneurs think a lot about the how. How they'll raise funding, how they'll build a team, how their product will look, how they'll get customers. Hows are important, but hows have a ceiling. You can only operate so well. And if you haven't done it before, and even if you have, you're still hoping for a type of executional separation that probably isn't realistic. Everyone in the startup world at the level that you want to be at is an expert at the how. Hows are table stakes. The what is where you're going to differentiate. The what will always be more important than the how, because all ideas are not created equal and they are not equal for different founders. What you choose to pursue will either give you a ton of slack or none of it. And not thinking critically about the what before you get going is the root cause for most failed startups a year and a half down the road. If you get on a bus and it's freezing outside, it's sleeting and snowy and windy, and you just made that bus, sneaking on before it pulled away. And you got a seat, the last seat, and you're sitting next to someone who's giving you your space but still sort of radiating warmth. And you're sitting there, warm and cozy, but you realize the bus is going downtown and you wanted to go uptown. What do you do? It doesn't matter how warm you are, you get off the bus. Entrepreneurship is like that bus analogy, except the street signs aren't obvious. Most entrepreneurs are on a bus going downtown and they don't even know it. The framework we'll go through today will help you choose the right bus. We'll start with the three startup ideas in the running for this test. Again, I'm not sure which I'm going to pick. We'll put them through the framework and see. I'll give a pitch for each, then they'll make their pitch to me, and we'll see which one we pursue. These startup ideas aren't fully formed. They should hopefully remind you a bit of the types of ideas you might have. So let's jump in. Startup idea number one, the baby sleep consultant. Lots of my friends now have kids. When I zoom with these friends with kids, particularly the ones with babies, it feels like I'm in a zombie movie. About a month ago during what was supposed to be a zoom happy hour, a friend stood up, didn't say a word and never came back. About 15 minutes later, his wife tilted the laptop camera to show my friend kneeling on the ground with his head on an ottoman fast asleep. When I talk to these parents, all they do is talk about getting their kids to sleep somehow. They try everything. One or two can afford a night nurse, and Greg, if I have to hear about the day you invested Bitcoin one more time. But most people can't afford that, so they're trying stuff. And based on my friend passed out with his ass up in the air like an inchworm, that stuff is not working. But that's not where I see the opportunity. Helping your baby sleep is a saturated market. People have worked that over for years. A two-second Google search tells me that. I want to help the parents sleep. Figure out how to maximize the five hours a day they have or help create schedules to hold 30 minutes a few times throughout the day for naps. How to help them get to sleep immediately the instant they can. I'm a sleep nerd and I've been able to drastically improve my own sleeping habits with a few minor-ish changes. So I always ask the parents what they're doing to help themselves sleep better and they look at me like I have three heads. That's idea number one. Startup idea number two, the Tuesday Wine Co., this is on the list because of the podcast. I did an episode I'll pop in the show notes with a joke idea about half bottles of wine. The idea was that people throw out a ton of wine 
and building a wine company completely around the experience of wanting a glass of wine on Tuesday, but not two glasses of wine on Tuesday might work. The rest of the episode was around jobs to be done, but I got so many emails about Tuesday Wine Co. People wanting it, people wanting to start it with me, people asking if they could start it. I couldn't not include it. So idea number two is the Tuesday Wine Co. Startup idea number three, new startup founder process coach. We're working on the name. This one comes from my life. I work with people with startup ideas and full-time jobs. There are lots of people like this, and there are lots of challenges to this. But the biggest, most important challenge I've found is process. If you're listening to this, you're probably an overachiever. You're at least an achiever, not really a podcast for unambitious people. So your instincts and hard work have created a formula that's worked for you to excel to this point. But in the words of my college basketball coach, what got you here is not going to get you there. What do entrepreneurs need, especially early? Feedback, interactions with customers, depth in their network in lots of places, experts in the industry, potential teammates, potential investors. Does that sound like something you're already doing? Nope, not at all. So what you really need is a new system. This system will eventually become your default and you won't have to think about it like the system you have now. But when you start with it, it'll be unfamiliar and endlessly uncomfortable. You won't have existing triggers for the behaviors, so you won't do them and you won't track them and you won't start building the picture of your startup you need to actually be data driven. So startup number three is a system for founders to implement, to help them create process and habit around the hard things. Those are the ideas. There was one more idea, a restaurant called Baguette About It, where we serve you freshly baked bread and you have the choice of nine different sauces to dip it in, but that idea is perfect already. No testing needed. The rest needs some work. So let's dig in. Which would you pick? Right off the bat, which one appealed to you? What do you think is the right startup to start? Let's see if that'll stick through the gauntlet coming up. We'll use a framework we call an idea resume. We'll use a framework we call an idea resume that you can use to evaluate any non-baguette about it ideas you might have. That idea and any other ideas in the bread dipping restaurant genre are spoken for. There's a well-worn path for building a successful startup. Just because most people ignore it doesn't mean it's not well-worn. The best startups have all used it. And it goes like this, problem, then customer, then solution. That is the order. There's no other way to build a product customers love. There's no skipping the line. I used to do a bunch of innovation consulting for big companies, but I've stopped because they think they can skip the line. They've built a product and they want to find a customer for that product. Since they have the resources to build first, they build first. Building a product is more fun than not building a product. And every one of those projects failed. Sure, you could point out that maybe it was the innovation consultant that didn't work, but let's not be wise asses here. The product needs to be pulled out of a scenario where a specific customer has a specific problem. I think about this like your idea is applying for the job of you starting it, thus the idea resume. The first section on the resume is problem. The characteristics of that problem are critical because the right type of problem will lead to the right type of customer that'll take a ton of pressure off the first product you build. If you set up problem and customer well, your product can be made with duct tape and bubble gum, but still be a game changer. The less impactful your problem, the more exceptional your first product needs to be. That's where you slip into the what versus the how. 
It's a seesaw where you very clearly would rather be on one side. So let's start with a great problem. Which brings up the question of what's a great problem look like? We evaluate problems by four criteria at Tacklebox. First and second are lumped together. Is the problem urgent and is it painful? Is the problem one of the top two or three priorities in your customer's life and does every second they don't have a solution feel more and more painful? And ideally, is that pain quantifiable? If you're building an HR B2B solution that'll help companies decrease turnover, the companies you target better be able to rattle off stats like employee turnover cost us 85,000 bucks a year and it's our biggest expense and we lose money every day we don't fix it. If you're selling running shoes for people with chronic knee pain, those customers better say things like, all I want to do is run, but my knee pain makes it impossible. Running was my stress release. It was the most important thing in my life. Without it, I can't sleep, and without it, I'm gaining weight. Third, the problem is frequent. This one's more straightforward. The more often someone has the problem you're solving, the more chances they'll potentially look for a solution and find you. And once you have a product, the more often they'll use that product which means the more often they'll talk about it. To me, this has always been the fatal flaw for the endlessly tempting travel startup. Even during non-pandemic times, people just don't travel that much. They talk about it a lot, they think about it a lot, but the flywheel often takes forever because you need enough people to find you, book something, go on the trip, then come back. That's a year probably longer for your first batch of happy customers to start spreading the word to other people who will also take a year. If you're Peloton, customers might use the product and get to a shareable moment six times a week. The fundamentals of a problem are critical. Fourth, it's expensive. Every startup is going to be hard. Every customer you acquire, you'll need to fight for. Make sure that once you get those customers, you're solving a problem important enough and hard enough for them to pay a lot for it. And they need to be used to paying a lot for it. This has nothing to do with input costs and everything to do with anchored norms and perceived value. It costs about the same amount in raw materials for a large pizza and a large latte. A latte maxes out at probably six bucks. A pizza can easily cost 20. And there's technically a fifth, but it should kind of go without saying. Your customer needs to know this is a problem. You cannot be teaching them that it's a problem and then solving it for them. The best problems are urgent, painful, frequent, and expensive. Yours likely won't check all the boxes, but it should check a few. Each criteria you check ensures that the bus is going in the right direction. Why are we harping so much on problem? Don't people solve problems that aren't their top three problems in the world? Can't we just solve those? The short answer is no. People are extraordinarily lazy. We almost never do anything new. It's a minor miracle you found this podcast and that you're listening to it right now. So you can't leave your whole startup to chance like that. If people don't have an urgent need to solve a problem, they won't solve it urgently. So you can't target and scale effectively. You won't have the resources to continue to get in front of the customer until they decide for whatever reason to convert. A good juicy problem has to be table stakes for you which means that the best part about the problem section of your idea's resume is a lot of times you don't have to read any further. If the problem doesn't impress itself upon you, if it doesn't seem like a big deal, it's probably not. Do your best U2 impression and walk on. Speaking of U2, 
I don't have mid podcast ads, but if I did, I'd have one for the person who posted the joke on Twitter about the vaccine saying that it wouldn't come with a microchip, but it would come with the newest U2 album preloaded. That's good stuff. Anyway, problem is always step one. The second section on your idea resume is customer and it is short. There's a ton of customer work to do, but for super top level idea evaluation, there are only two questions to ask. One, can you get in touch with and interview 15 customers, 15 people who have this problem in the next seven days? Our friend Alir from last week's episode on Slice has a saying that I love. He says the cost of distribution is a tax for low creativity. Do you know channels where people who have the problem you've mentioned above hang out? Are they already in your circles? Have you already built a network full of them? Do you already have a community? Ooh boy, if you do, and if you don't, can you co-opt one? And these people can't sort of have the problem. They need the full Monty problem, the urgent, painful, frequent problem. Second question, do customers speak with each other about the problem constantly? This thing is going to grow by customers speaking with each other about whatever you're doing. Early on, that's your growth path. You won't be able to afford anything else. This is the core driver. Things get much harder if your customers don't talk with each other. The third section of the resume is about how the idea relates specifically to you. We talk a lot about founder Venn diagrams. This is a good way to picture yourself. Go grab a big piece of paper and draw the circles that make up you, your skills, your knowledge bases, and your networks. See how they combine. How has this experience uniquely prepared you to solve the problem or interact with the customer that your idea centers on? If we picked someone smart, capable, and driven out of a crowd, why does this idea suit you better than them? How have you subconsciously been preparing to solve this problem for the last 10 years? What do you know about the problem that other people don't? These questions are tough, tough stuff. You might not have great answers to them, but the person who wins probably will. So it might be time to figure out how to make yourself into someone with a great answer to the why you question. And finally, the last thing we'll do for each idea is just create one sentence on the experiment you're running. Every startup is a science experiment and your idea is the hypothesis. The sentence is, I believe X customers care about Y problem enough to change. Then, what will it take to prove that? What's going to be hard about that? All right, it is time to pick what I'm going to be spending the nights and weekends of my life testing out for the next few weeks. And after that pretty serious lead up on what you're looking for from an idea, I want to take a pretty huge step back. Because while the process will be rigorous and the stakes are high for a great idea, this should be fun. This is an experiment. There's absolutely no pressure on you. You can run through a few tests over a few weeks, and if nothing comes of the idea, you drop it. It's got nothing to do with you or your self-worth or whether you're a good entrepreneur or not. Remember, the how doesn't win, the what does. Too many people put way too much pressure on testing out an idea, and to get good at it, you've got to practice. We've got to get good on exploring the what. So, yeah, these three ideas don't fit the criteria perfectly, but I'll give one of them a shot, chase down its tail for a little bit, and see if me learning more about it strengthens the resume or weakens it. And if it doesn't work out, fine. So here we go. The Baby Sleep Consultant, Tuesday Wine Co., and the new Founder Process Coach. I can feel the tension. The winner is... 
Not yet. Let's check the resumes. Baby sleep consultant. Solving the problem of parents sleeping better when they can. Is it urgent, painful, frequent, expensive? In short, yes to all. Frequency gets a little wonky because once the kid grows out of the phase, it won't be as important, but that customer will love you by then. You'll have the potential to sell vertically to them. This is a real problem that you can get your foot in the door with to sell to this person. Second question, could I find and interview 15 customers who really feel the pain this week? Yeah, I could. I could honestly just do it through my network. I also know there are a bunch of niche channels for people with kids, though they are crowded and expensive and we'd likely have to pay a Lear's lazy tax. Do customers speak about the problem constantly? Absolutely, there are groups for it everywhere. This idea is ticking a lot of boxes. Now, me. What do I have that someone off the street who's more competent, smarter, driven, and maybe even better looking than me doesn't have? Uh-oh. I like sleep and I'm interested in sleep, but so are a lot of people. This is the first giant chink in the armor. This immediately starts to feel like a whisper idea when I think about why I am the perfect person to start this. I'm no better than a replacement level entrepreneur. Idea number two, the Tuesday Wine Co. Half bottles of wine for people who want to drink on a Tuesday and don't want to throw away the rest of the bottle or buy one of those $300 cores and things. Is it urgent, painful, frequent, expensive? Urgent? No. Painful? Sort of, maybe, but really no. Frequent? Yeah, kind of. Anecdotally, it seems like people say this comes up a fair amount. Expensive? Sort of. I guess wasting bottles can feel like you're losing money. Overall problem grade is a firm meh. Could I find and interview 15 customers who really feel the pain this week? I honestly don't know. I can't really think of who's having this problem in a super painful way or where I'd even find them. There's no community that I can think of. This all just seems weak. Now about me. What do I have that someone off the street doesn't? Absolutely nothing. And that's about all we need to see of this idea. It seems like the first worldiest of first world problems in an industry I don't know anything about with a customer I can't identify or find where I have no unique insight except that, quote, bottles should be half bottles, which sounds like something a high kid would say to his friend while waiting for dominoes to come. Idea number three, new startup founder, process coach, needs a new name. People who decide to pursue a startup idea while they have a full-time job need help creating a system to get the tough, counterintuitive stuff that'll help them build a business done right. Problem. Urgent? If they've started working on a startup, yeah, it's pretty urgent. Is it painful? It definitely can be. Depends on their awareness of what they should be doing. Is it frequent? Maybe. Again, it depends on how often they're working on their startup idea. Is it expensive? Once again, maybe. It all depends on how they view and value their startup time. This kind of feels like it comes down to awareness. There might be people working on a startup who know that they need to get customer interviews done and reach out to experts and do the stuff that isn't reactive and isn't instinctive. For those people, I think this is a problem. Could I find and interview 15 customers who really feel the pain this week? Absolutely. Any of you want to chat? Now to me, 
What do I have that someone off the street who's more competent, smart, and driven doesn't have? Well, this is literally all I do. The idea came from me doing what I do with lots of people. I've tested out a few processes internally and with a few Tacklebox startups. I mentioned subconsciously preparing to build a startup for years, and this is kind of what that looks like for me. But again, I fell into the product trap. I talked about a coach. That's a solution. I need to step back. The problem is helping people establish the process. The solution is unknown. My idea as a hypothesis is that I believe people who are starting startups while working full-time jobs care enough about building a system to ensure they're spending the time they have on the right things to pay me to fix it. I believe in that. That pumps me up. So we've got a winner. For the next however many weeks, I'll be figuring out how to test and build something that helps people testing out startup ideas build a system to ensure they do the non-instinctive, counterintuitive stuff that'll set them apart. Meta.com. I got to be honest, I was kind of rooting for Tuesday Wine Co. And if enough people reach out about that, maybe we'll do that one too. But after this exercise, this idea feels right. My head's spinning. I can help this customer. I'm pumped. And now I've got to get on customer interviews and get some deeper insight into the problems for next week's podcast. And to think, this is all happening because a guy with a Hotmail address in 2021 wrote me a semi-passive aggressive email. I've done more for less. Have a great week. And if this problem hit you the right way, email me at brian at gettacklebox.com and we'll do a customer interview. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, head to gettacklebox.com. If you've got a passive aggressive email that might spur another 10 episodes, keep it to yourself. We're busy.